When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, I'm just annoyed that we never got to hear Peter Capaldi doing Malcolm Tucker as the Doctor, damn it. The Doctor, the Doctor is here. Neil Doctor. Oh, great. That's just fantastic. F***ing Daleks again. Neil? Oh, come on. Daleks are so f***ing dense you pull dead f***ing space metal into your orbit. I'm the Doctor. I don't kneel, you gobshites. One last time, Doctor. Kneel. No. No. You know what? Why don't you Dalek my balls? Actually, you know what? I think I just figured out why they never did that. Roaring towards you like a hard-boiled Silurian being chased by its own soldiers. Damn, that's a weird image. It's the very first episode of The Doctor Is In. My name is Paul Verhoeven. I'm your host, and I will be as season 10 hits every single week for the next 12 weeks. You may know me as host of Steampunks on ABC Me, uh, host of it 28 Plays Later. Uh, none of that matters, because every week, The Doctor Is In will be hitting you with news, history, and interviews to make sure you do pretty much nothing but squeal about Doctor Who constantly over the coming months. Frankly, you're going to be exhausted by the end of this season, but we have so much to get through this week. I'll be chatting with Tegan Higginbotham from ABC2's Whovians. I'll be kicking off our new weekly segment, Doctor Who Cliff's Notes, in which I give you a beginner's guide to a classic Doctor Who uh, doctor. So this week, we're going to be looking at William Hartnell, who would emphatically fail the, hey, mister, can I have my ball back test? Spoiler alert, he would not give your ball back. But first up, our new segment, Whose news is it anyway? <sighs> the name needs work. Let's just call it news. I don't think anybody expected this particular piece of news to come out of the world of Doctor Who, but it's absolutely been verified. John Sim is going to be returning as the master to fight against Peter Capaldi's Doctor. Now, we haven't seen John Sim. I mean, many people who know him in real life have probably seen him since, but I mean, I personally as a fan and many of us have not seen him since 2010 on New Year's Day, at which point he was pretty emphatically defeated. Now, Stephen Moffat has come out and said that obviously, you know, um, the rumor mill is over, is overactive as usual, nothing stays secret for long on Doctor Who, and he said you'll have to wait a little longer to see exactly what the Master is up to and how he makes his return to face the Doctor. And then he goes on to say that, Michelle Gomez, the current incarnation of the Master as Missy, is going to be face-to-face -face with John Sim. Now, is it, is it weird that I want them to kiss? Anyway, it's going to be a very, very big deal. John Sim um, was, frankly, one of the best things about um, the Martha season of Doctor Who, um, apart from when Here Come the Drums was wheeled out. But I'm, I'm very, very excited. And obviously, this season, season 10, uh, is the swan song for Capaldi's Doctor. And it's also going to see the return of lots of other classic villains. So we're we going to see the Daleks. We always see the Daleks. I mean, at this point, whenever I shut my eyes, I see the Daleks. They've had that much of an impact on me. Uh, we're also going to see the Ice Warriors. And returning for the first time in over 50 years, the Mondasian Cybermen. It's going to be kind of a trip down memory lane, which is sort of appropriate for this Doctor. It's really nice when Moffat gives credence to characters that he didn't create. 
it's also a little rare. So yeah, I'm really excited about seeing potentially two incarnations of the master on screen at the same time. It's a bummer that Roger Delgado isn't alive still, but yeah, it's gonna be absolutely amazing. So what a weird piece of news to wake up to. In other news, Pearl Mackey, who plays Bill Potts in the new season of Doctor Who, has come out and said that basically her costume design process, which seems remarkably familiar, uh, involves a bit of a tribute to Prince. So basically, uh, her and the costume designer of Doctor Who, Hayley Nebauer, went and uh, you know went and hunted down the bits and pieces to cobble together the look for Bill. At which point, they apparently spied a purple denim jacket and a Prince T-shirt. So they attached some patches, and then Mackie basically explained in interviews that the T-shirts sort of become kind of like a proxy tribute to Prince, which is absolutely awesome. I mean, I don't know how many of you are convinced that Prince is some sort of Time Lord and that Prince is actually still gallivanting around the universe, but that's how I process my grief, damn it! Um, a lot has been happening for Pearl Mackey. Uh, there was a minor furor, unjustifiably so, over the fact that Bill Potts is going to be the first openly gay companion. Uh, it's obviously been an incredible year for Pearl Mackey, and I cannot wait to see where it takes her next, but honestly, a Prince t-shirt? That is just the icing on the top of the cake. And finally, in Doctor Who news, one of the biggest mysteries of the TARDIS has been solved. Now, we've never actually seen the Doctor go potty. I'm aware I'm a grown man that just said go potty. But there has to be somewhere on the TARDIS where there is a toilet. And finally, after 53 years, um, we have just been given a bit of a gift in a scene in the opening episode of season 10, which doesn't show you where the bathroom is, but it does allow the Doctor to explain to Bill where the toilet is. She basically says that she's had a fright and needs a toilet. He points at one of the exits from the console room and says, and I quote, it's down there, first right, second left, past the macaroon dispenser. Now, I'm not entirely cool with storing uh, edibles right near the crapper, but, you know, it's it's dimensionally transcendental, so maybe it, it doesn't matter. I don't know how hygiene works in Gallifreyan technology, but suffice to say, finally, there is somewhere where you can you know, jettison some fuel. Anyway, if that's, the, if that's the weirdest thing to come out of this season of Doctor Who, I'll eat my hat. Let me tell you something. I have a pretty robust immune system, so I'll do it. Now, every week on The Doctor Is In, I will be chatting with somebody from the show or somebody who's involved in the show in some way or just a massive fan. And I think at this point, uh, our guest for today sort of qualifies as all three. Writer, comedian and panellist on ABC 2's Whovians, Tegan Higginbotham. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. That's okay. It's very lovely to be your first guest. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, so, I mean, I just wanted to start off going like way off the radar. Um, if you could travel through time... Oh. To any location, any era, anything, uh, where would you go and why? God, that's a good question. Um, now, I know you want to go, oh, I traveled to Harry Potter, but that's not real, technically. No, that's the thing. I was literally, <laughs> it did literally pop into my head. I'm like, oh, Harry Potter, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I, I'm very much in love with Paris. I think, you know, in a lot of my creative work, I've been very clear about that. Mm. And I was reading something the other day from this woman who travels quite a lot, and she was she was lamenting the fact that, in her view, true Paris is dead. It's it's done. It's too touristy now. Sure. So I would like to go back and see... To the true Paris. To the true Paris and try to discover what this 
this true Paris was. Now, if if midnight in Paris taught us anything, is yeah. that the true Paris is it's whatever time you choose to to feel comfortable and to feel in love with and embrace. Sure. But um, yeah, I think I'd like to be in ba- in Paris maybe. I'm going to go Paris in the 60s. I mean... Yeah, but how are things for women then? Like, is that... You'd have to factor... Well, this in... is the one question that, that you always have to factor in whenever you're a woman and you talk about time travel because yeah. it is... Yeah, I mean, I would love to go back to this time and this time, but then I would also have to relinquish my rights, my yeah. opinions. I would have to behave in such a different way. And, of course, men would do, have to do that to a degree as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for women, it is something that is there in the back of their mind. I believe that Martha addresses this in one of the Doctor Who. In the Shakespeare Code, yeah. So yes. she rocks up and she's like, Look, it's fine for you. You're a, you're a white dude. You're hopping around history. Because like, here's the thing. Louis C.K. pointed out the fact that white dudes would have no trouble hopping through time. But if you're, if you're a person of color or a woman suddenly your options become really limited or dangerous yeah. at best. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And moving forward into the future, like as of the recording of this, I think World War Three started today. Oh, I'm yeah. just not sure. That's right. So, it's... I mean, I, I don't know. I'm actually kind of scared of the future at the moment. So, Jeez. yeah, I'd go back. I'd try and find a little pocket and just eat desserts in Paris. Right. Do you think um, Midnight in Paris could conceivably fit within the Hooniverse? Do you think it could be part of Doctor Who canon? Do you think maybe there's like a pocket episode of Doctor Who where there's been like some sort of temporal schism in well, Paris. Well, this is the thing. There is definitely, there is time travel in Paris. Yeah. There is a rift. Um, certain <laughs> people are getting through. Do you think, oh, well, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to avoid the thing of like, is Owen Wilson the, the doctor? doctor? I bloody hope not because he doesn't seem to have a handle on how to travel through time in that <laughs> he film. He would be the biggest doctor. He'd like just get, like all of his lives would be over in the first episode. Oh he just keeps shooting, like stepping into direct gunfire or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, it was one of the reasons why I loved Midnight in Paris so much is because it, mm. it combined these two things that I like, which is, you know, Paris and time travel. Well, I mean, there is that episode Midnight where, you know, the Doctor and a bunch of tourists, as you know, get stuck on a like a tour bus across yeah. a planet made of diamonds. But Midnight in Paris would ostensibly be the Doctor trapped on a tour bus in Paris, in Paris, being stalked by, I don't know, an irate man munching a baguette arrogantly. Can we discuss Midnight for just a second? Yeah, because please. I believe that I've heard that this is it's one of your favourite episodes. It is one of my favourite episodes. I find it, I, I enjoyed it. I've seen it about three times now. I don't mind the episode, mm-hmm. but every time I just get shitty that he leaves Donna, I'm like... Dude, just stay at the retreat. No. Just hang out at the retreat no. with your friends. No, hang on. Are you shitty that he didn't enjoy the, like, the sumptuous spa treatment? No, it's more that... You know what it is? It's that Donna is just dragged around to his places, his ideas of exciting for so long. Yeah, but she doesn't... Then she is like, hey come and hang out with me in the resort. And he's like, nah, I'm going to leave you here. No. And she would be cool with that because she's one of the better people in the entire world no. of Doctor Who. On that front, and I He should have just chilled with it. Well, so, you know, my whole thing is a part of a healthy relationship is being able to do your own thing. And the fact that he was, he, because he wanted her to come because he thought it'd be fun, but he didn't bully her into doing it. I feel like every other companion would have gone with him? Whereas... Oh, every other companion absolutely would have gone with him. Yeah. Like, you know, Rose would just like happily be clinging to his back the whole time. I love, I love if Rose. she could. It's just, I think it's really important for companions to have their own space. Do you think she has her own room in the TARDIS, Donna? Like her, because I know she has a key, but do you think she has her own like wing where she can have her personal space? Definitely. And it's something that I wouldn't mind seeing explored a little more into the future because in the future of the series, yeah. um, for example, the latest Star Trek film, hmm. one of the things that I love about this film was that in the opening 10 minutes they give this idea of actual life 
on board yeah. the starship. Mm. You see the captain suffering from what I interpreted as depression because he's just he's stuck on this ship. It's you know it's day after day, captain's log. It's the 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 mundaneness of even the most exciting job can get to you sometimes. Yeah. And, and although I did, wouldn't ever want to see necessarily the Doctor or one of his companions getting depressed, I like the idea of seeing when they do a grocery shop for the TARDIS sure. or when they just want to chill out or read a book, where do they go? Sometimes seeing the life you do though, in sometimes. a story. You get little glimpses, but I, I would almost like to see an episode where they just have a chat in the TARDIS. Well, there are actually episodes. I mean, there's there's the episode where uh, Matt Smith's Doctor uh, actually gets lost in the TARDIS, journey to the centre of the yes. TARDIS. Um, there's an episode in Classic Who where you actually get to see, like, the pool room. Like, there's a rec room with, like, a full Olympic swimming pool. I don't remember this. I haven't seen that. There's the wardrobe room. There's the zero room. I love room. the wardrobe room. Yeah, but there's, the, like... And somebody on Tumblr a couple of years back did this beautiful piece, like this series of kind of interlocking maps where you yeah. got to see the actual TARDIS. So there's like the garden dimension and there's beaches and the Eighth Doctor actually has like a beach where he goes to relax. Mm. So the TARDIS is an infinite space inside it. Um, apparently from the outside it would look like several cities jammed together, Inception style. See, I wouldn't push it that far. I right. like the idea of it being a big cosy house. Oh, but see, maybe that's your TARDIS, right? Like your TARDIS is a manageable size. Yes, Whereas which the is like, even in houses and stuff, <laughs> I just sometimes walk into big houses and like, this is beautiful and yeah. I'm overwhelmed. Like, this is too much for me. Right. So I want a nook. I want to set up nooks. But it's also easier with, a, with like a nook-based TARDIS, which is assumedly, uh, like, let's say it's a Type 50 or something. So you've got your nook based TARDIS you take it back to Gallifrey you're definitely getting your bond back I don't think the doctor's getting his bond back like he oh, has no. trashed this He's thing trashed that thing yeah, yeah definitely well so what are you what are you hoping to see from this upcoming season of Doctor Who um I was really unhappy with the end of season nine really? I just thought that there were too many questions uh that were unanswered there was too much uh vagueness and I believe that uh especially before the Christmas episode I think that it left the Doctor in a highly weakened position. Right. He didn't know who Clara was. It was actually his companions that were smarter than him in that situation. Yeah, that's a The companions left in their own TARDIS. So now all of a sudden, the power has shifted. And one of the things that I like about Doctor Who is that Doctor Who is the center of that universe. And he is, he is the equilibrium. He is the... He is the middle. He is the stability. Like, I just think that I felt the equilibrium shift and mm. I didn't like that shift. I felt that that shift was not true to the series and what the energy of the series should be. Yeah, that's been a bit of a problem. I mean, um, listeners will know that I've had a bit of a long-running beef with Stephen Moffat because yeah. uh, he does tend to go, my creations, my characters are the most important people in the Doctor Who universe. But, like, negativity aside, um, I think it's going to be a really good season. I'm very excited. Yeah, I felt Heaven Sent was an incredibly exciting episode. Yeah. I thought that was really, really wonderful. And mm. so there are still um, there are still episodes within there that get me excited. Uh, but I've just gotten, I've just gone back and watched again mm. uh, the final, the, the, the final Tenant series with Do uh, Donna. Yes. And and it is just such an exciting series. Isn't it? You know, and I, I I wanted a little bit more of that. I wanted a little bit more of that feeling. Gotcha. Well, hopefully we get that with um, with uh, Pearl Mackey's character, Bill. Bill yes. Potts. Now, um, before I let you go, which I don't particularly want to do, before I let you go, um, your name 
Yes. Is very, like the story behind how you got named Tegan is very relevant to Doctor Who. Oh, it's it's at, I am named after Tegan from Doctor Who. And Tegan Javaka is like is is my least favorite companion. So on so many yes, yeah, so many people do not like Tegan, but my dad loved her. No. Had the biggest crush in the world. <laughs> so I was meant to be called Mary. Sure. And uh, my mum had to have a cesarean section to get me out uh, and was completely unconscious. So That's... she'd gone in with the plan of this is going to be Mary. And when she wakes up, the nurse hands me to her going, and here's baby Tegan. And mum's like, what? Because dad had just, you know, while, while his wife was knocked out, called me Tegan. Is that... Just, oh, very wrong. The idea of you coming out as a baby in like a like a tiny little really adorable flight attendant suit just looking up at the surgeon going, Doctor! 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 Oh, I'm out of the TARDIS! She's just so shrill. Bigger on the inside than it... Oh, oh no. Oh, Although no. That, that would make giving birth much easier. Much easier. Frankly. They should really try and work on that. They should. That's for... Doctor Who up late. Well, um, thank you so much for coming in and chatting on the very first episode of The Doctor Not Is Well, Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on the first episode. And we're really excited to see Whovians. Thanks. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you already stopped. No, no, no. There's, there's, there's no good way to finish these things. Oh. Be honest. Have you ever been sitting there in conversation with, like, that hardcore Doctor Who fan friend of yours, and they all chuck in a passing reference to the Valyard or the Rani or... I don't know, they insist that at one point the Doctor played the recorder. And you're like, what? No, the recorder, that's the Garfunkel of musical instruments. He didn't play it. Well, uh, he did. And it's time for Doctor Who Cliff's Notes. Now, in this segment, each episode, I will be giving you the ins and outs, the, the dummies guide, if you will, for each of the Doctors in order, complete with a list of episodes that you can watch to catch up without having to watch 10,000 hours of this goddamn wonderful but time sink of a show. So, without further ado, let's start to cover The First Doctor. Now, The First Doctor was played by William Hartnell, and uh, if you wanted to sum him up, probably cranky old man with a granddaughter and a tendency to kidnap her teachers. This is not a joke. In the first episode of Doctor Who, An Unearthly Child, um, he has this granddaughter of his, uh, Susan, and she's at school, and she's acting kind of weird, and her teachers, rather than, you know, have a quiet word to her or, you know, talk to the principal, they decide to follow her home, which is sort of insane in and of itself. Like, what, what did they expect would happen when they got there? Hi, Susan! Hi, we followed you home! Hi, please don't call the cops! Although, if they did that, um, that would be kind of poetic, because when they followed Susan home, uh, she ducked into a scrapyard, where she then popped into a police box. And rather than using the box to call the police, they followed her inside. And again, what are you doing, Ian and Barbara? Your teachers, this is way outside your jurisdiction. So what happens then is the doctor cracks it, and the four of them are then sent barreling off through history. Now... The first Doctor initially has little to no control over the TARDIS. Perhaps, you know, when you look at the show as a whole, that could be because at this point, he'd almost certainly just stolen the damn thing, a Type 40, uh, as you already know, from Gallifrey. So he and his unwilling companions, for the most part, tended to favour historical settings with famous historical figures. Uh, the show was, at this point, deemed to be semi-educational. So, you know, they'd go and hang out with Marco Polo or whatever. But... The show also introduced us to Daleks and Cybermen. But one thing I want to really focus on with the First Doctor before I go is he died of old age. After a fierce struggle against Cybermen in the 10th planet, rather than having, I don't know, a bit of a kip, 
cup of tea, what have you, he decided to make sure everyone crowded around him as he swooned and keeled over. Now, his companions at that time, uh, Ben and Polly, uh, were probably, frankly, pretty happy to be done with such a cranky old bastard. But as I already mentioned, his successor, the second Doctor, played the recorder. So for Ben and Polly, that was pretty much out of the frying pan into another frying pan. Anyway, um, that's him. Cranky, old, silver-haired. And if you're going to dive into some of the first Doctor episodes and watch a mysterious old coot holler at young people, it's just like Gran Turismo in space, then I recommend the following episodes. I would start with An Unearthly Child, which is the very first episode of Doctor Who. Um, you could then hop across to the Dalek Invasion of Earth, because, you know, Daleks. Then there's the Time Meddler. And uh, his final story, uh, his regeneration story, The Tenth Planet, is well worth a visit. Now, uh, that's all the time we have for Doctor Who Cliff's Notes this week. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Next episode, we are going to be looking at Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor. And as I've pointed out several times, Recorder. Well, sadly, that's all the time we have for today's episode of The Doctor Is In. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and a special thank you to our guest, uh, ABC2's Whovians, Tegan Higginbotham, and we'll have another guest in next week. Also next week, we'll be looking at the latest episode of the show, and, wow, uh, we'll also be covering a very, very special event that the BBC held over in Sydney that I flew over for, and we'll be looking at Patrick Troughton for Doctor Who's Cliff's Notes. It's going to be absolutely jam-packed, and I cannot wait to see you then. Have a good week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.